Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. What's up, everyone? It's Nick. You know what that means. Amanda is not with us tonight. She is on vacation, so clearly she doesn't understand the point of Labor Day and is not working, but we wish her the best. hope she's having a good time with all of her 1,000 children. Um, but I am joined by Ryan, as always. You can follow him at DC Natchak. Follow Amanda at AWhite7877. Follow myself at HashatCap. The show at Half Street High Heat, Monty at M. Davis Taylor, and OPT at One Pursuit Takes. Ryan, my friend, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, man. Um, was enjoying the nice long weekend. Did some grilling out. Had some delicious food. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, I'm just going to cut you off right there. Tell us what we need to know. How are the ribs? You know, everyone has their thing in the kitchen. <laughs> And I'm starting to realize ribs are my thing. Like, <laughs> I I think I need to I think I need to open up a rib restaurant. So, I made ribs four times, and each time I've done a different recipe. Um, this time I was feeling a nice Kansas City style ribs. So I did a good spicy dry rub. I let that marinate for thirty hours. Mesquite? Um, no mesquite. Uh, I, I do say all the mesquite, but that's fine. I do all Go my ahead. mesquite on my own. <laughs> um, it's a side hustle. So I did like a nice, nice 30 hour dry rub, let that thing go. Uh, the next day I started making the sweet and tangy barbecue sauce. So the nice clash of flavors, um, put them on the grill. It did cook a little bit quicker than I thought it was going to. It's supposed to cook for four hours and cook for three. So I ended up being dinner at five o'clock, but my God, it was absolutely delicious. It was fall off the bone. It was just tender. It was moist. It was delicious. The meat had the spice in it. And then that barbecue sauce, which I also put a little dipping sauce on the side for it, just sweet and tangy, mixing with that spicy dry rub. Oh, my God. It was phenomenal. You're getting pretty good at this, it seems like. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, I, this is my thing. In quarantine, I picked up how to become a rib master. Right. I was, was going to say, like, people, you know, 
they're learning to play guitar. They're taking that time to learn that second language. Amanda's like starting a garden and a second family. Um, <laughs> but Ryan, you're on the verge of opening Ryan's really good rib restaurant. So Ryan's decent ribs. I'm a I'm a humble fella. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, well, as for me, you know, the, the aquarium lives on. Uh, major update. So I put, I got new fish, put them in there, and the angelfish had been quarantined for yet 10 days. So decided to put them both in there. Uh, it, that lasted less than 24 hours before one angelfish killed the other. And before the deceased angelfish died, he managed to tear off the tail of the alive angelfish, which then got an infection. So we had to take that angelfish out back into the quarantine tank and, you know, giving him meds uh, to hope the infection goes away and then he lives. So, you know, this is just, <laughs> I thought I was done <laughs> and it just never ends. But it's like that feeling where you like, you get all the kids out of the house and then all of a sudden grandkids come along and it's like, what the hell? I thought it was done. So, um, you know, th that lives on and uh, I'll probably never end. I'll probably have an aquarium update every single week. <laughs> uh, how's Finn doing? How does Finn like the ribs? Um, it was funny. So I don't know if you guys have ever made your own homemade barbecue sauce, but when you do it, oh, it's, like, it's a very, very potent smell because you have to start with the oil and the onions and let them cook. The smell of oil and onions cooking is probably one of the most delicious smells in the world. It's a strong smell. If you can't smell it, you probably have COVID. So it's also a really good COVID test at the same time. Um, he kept coming over to the stove because he wanted to figure out what that smell was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're going to burn yourself. And part of me was like, do I let him so he doesn't do it again? Or do I just keep you know, playing this game where I'm going to pick him up, put him on the ground? So I decided to play the game for the hour and a half the sauce was cooking. Probably picked him up about 45 different times. He kept coming over trying to get the sauce. <laughs> so he loved it. <laughs> I mean, if it's been approved, I'm sold. That's really what it comes down to. Have you seen that? I don't know if it's just like a video or a TikTok or what it was, but like the cat smells the flaming Hot Cheeto and then gags. Yeah. yeah. That's how I picture Finn was. <laughs> <laughs> just too much tang for, for his little nose. Well, like if I'm eating chicken or something, like I'll find like an inside part that like doesn't really have like sauce or seasoning on it and just give it to him just because like, you know, cats love chicken. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't want to. I don't want to try it with all this seasoning and just watch him have like sensory overload. <laughs> it runs up to the second bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> runs over to his water bowl, put out the spice. <laughs> just face first, like all these bubbles. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I guess we should turn to baseball. It was uh, the most eventful, uneventful week. I, that's a really the only way I know how to describe it. You and I were talking before that we started recording, and the, that's like the most thing you, you, could, you could chalk it up to. But I'll let you take over since you're way better at this than I am. Give us our week in review. Yeah, so things are starting to slow down news-wise for baseball um, after a tumultuous Pretty much eight months, so actually since last October, news-wise for baseball, we're finally just at the point where it's just baseball. But Major League Baseball did mourn the loss of two legends this week as Tom Seaver died at the age of 75 from a combination of Lyme disease, dementia, and COVID-19, and Cardinals legend Lou Brock died at the age of 80. 
One, um, Yankee struggles continue lately as their injuries are piling up. Giancarlo Stan has missed 83% of his games as a Yankee, and Aaron Judge has missed 47% of his games. Suspensions also came for the Yankees as Chapman re revisited a three-year-old uh, rivalry, I guess, with the Rays. He was suspended for three games for throwing at the head of Rays batters. Um, Dodgers off to their best start in franchise history and are quite literally the definition of World Series or bust. MLB is finalizing their plan for the playoffs, and they announced that there will be no tiebreaker game this season. Instead, tiebreaker will go to run differential. The playoffs will officially start one day after the regular season with the World Series starting October 23rd. MLB is going to announce that teams are going to be quarantining for the last week to two weeks so that they can just roll into the postseason. To then at least, and first are the 23-17. and 17. I put this earlier. Um, I made the records earlier, and I feel like they lost today, so I may be wrong. 23-17 Braves as they began a series against the Marlins. They split against the Nats. Acuna is back, and Freddie Freeman hit his first career Grand Slam and quickly hit his second. In second place, we have the 20-17 Phillies. Um, who won a extra innings game today. After losing six of seven, Bryce Harper said the Phillies need a run of winning nine out of ten. They, they immediately went on and won nine out of ten. But it's rather easy to win nine out of ten when six of those games are against the Nationals. Um, their hot streak continues, and they're only two games out of first place. In third place, we have the 18-18 and 18 uh, Marlins, who went three and four this week as they cannot beat the Rays, but they are still hanging around somehow. And as uh, Jose Urena returned today against the Braves and hit Acuna again. And fourth place are the 19 and 23 Mets as DeGrom continues to be the only bright spot, and he is well on his way to a third straight Cy Young if you Darvish does not take it from him. Mets honor their pitching legend Tom Seaver this week in a great on-field and pregame video um and they walked off the yankees in yankee stadium this year this week which was quite hilarious if you guys did not see it in last place we have the 15 and 25 washington nationals the nats had an ugly streak of losing 10 out of their last 11 they did split a four-game series with the braves rizzo was ejected from his suite more on that in a little and they just took game one against the rays winning nine to one this has been your week in review Brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Make sure you stop on by and virtually or social distance, get some nice chilies and some margaritas. This has been your week in review. Which reminds me, I mean, you should really pitch your ribs to chilies. I think I mean, I'm going to. Yeah, not uh, that like we want to, you know, take away from the baby back ribs. Baby back ribs are baby back ribs. Oh, my baby, baby, but, baby, baby, baby. but I mean, if you want to switch it up, you want to support your local Ryan. Well, yeah, you know, why, I mean, why, why not try his ribs? Um, I think I have a meeting scheduled up, my uh, thrice Thursday meeting with uh, Terry. I, I may bring a couple samples of my ribs and see how it goes then. Nice. Let, nice. let him get a little flavor town. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, there's so much I forgot happened <laughs> this week, but the the Kevin Cash comments like really got me fired up. Like after the whole of Roldis Chapman, you know, revisiting what what'd you say, three year old argument, whatever beef. Um, I mean, where have we seen that before? <laughs> Hunter Strickland. Um, but 
like when you obviously have that happen to you, to your team, and your media response is if they want to do that, I have a hundred or three guys that throw a hundred plus in my bullpen too. Talk about savages in the box, man. <laughs> like that got me fired up. I want the Rays to go all the way now. Also, the funniest part is he was like, we don't do that throwing, throwing stuff at people. We haven't done that in three years. So everyone's like, okay, so what the Yankees were retaliating for, you just admitted you did, which was pretty funny. But yeah. I love beef. Um, I think baseball needs a lot more of it. The NBA is great at having beef, even if it's fake. Don't care. Give me all of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we're probably like way like we missed the boat on this, but, you know, the whole – 3-0 count grand slam thing with Fernando Tatis and just unwritten rules in general. I mean, I, I think in general, unwritten rules are dumb. They're more for, you know, high school, even little league, like you don't run up the scores on the teams that just suck, but professional, uh, you know, major leaguers, I feel like anything should go except for, you know, the way the game polices itself where, you know, it's, like with the Astros, for instance, everyone's going to throw at the Astros and no one's going to question why except, you know, Rob, Manf Rob Manfred. Um, but for this, you know, with with the Yankees and the Rays, it, it's like you just got to let it fall into place wherever it's going to be. But it, it is funny. You make a good point that <laughs> Kevin Ketch, in like defending his guys, admitted to what the Yankees are <laughs> retaliating for. So you kind of just self-incriminated yourself there. But all right, so let's move on to the Nats spat. Uh, two and six on the week. They won today, today being Monday, Labor Day. Uh, they beat the race six to one, surprisingly. Um, they're two and six on the week, 14 and 25 overall. Well, now 15 and 25 overall. Um, first bit of news, obviously the biggest news to drop this week, something we've been questioning for a while, especially the trade deadline being last week and nothing being done. Mike Rizzo has signed a three-year extension. Ryan, what are your initial thoughts? So I, I feel like it's peak learners to do this after the trade deadline. Um, they could have, you know, done this, I don't know, in the offseason or even a week before the trade deadline so the guy would have known if he was here and he could have had a better game plan. But with that being said, it's well-earned. Um, obviously, like everyone has a lot of different views on Rizzo. Rizzo does have flaws, but his biggest flaw is that the man just thinks he can win every single year. Again, there are a lot bigger flaws you can have. He could be playing Moneyball. Um, this is a well-earned contract extension for him. I'm surprised it's only three years. Um, I feel like they could have given him like a five-year contract or something and Rizzo would have taken it. Rizzo said he wants to do this as long as he can, and I'm sure he would gladly do that with the Nats. Um, so I'm, I'm excited he's here. You know he's going to do his same spiel every offseason, how I'm going to put together a 91 team on paper. He's going to do his best. Um, he's a good GM. I feel like the guys like him here. You know the fans like him, so this was just a well-earned, nice contract extension that the learners gave him. Absolutely. I mean, there's no reason not to bring him back. Like, if you had extended him, you know, throw the years and the dollar amount away, if you had just extended him this year, I don't think anyone would have questioned it, obviously. I mean, he dude just came off a, a World Series win, but also he's put up like contender after contender and it's some of it can be put on him as for why like we didn't succeed prior to 2019 
but at this point in time all the all that matters is that he did succeed in 2019 so you got to extend him uh, uh, finally the nats made like a common sense move the three years thing i agree like it seemed a little bit short to me i mean granted i was just glad that they got him extended so that way he was actually free to operate for once this year like like you alluded to um but now that you, you pointed out i wonder if well the learners are probably just being cheap in general they don't want to like commit x amount of dollars over a long period of time to anyone um but i wonder if they view their quote-unquote window as being three years like because i could see the nats realistic not saying they can't compete past what would that be you know 2024 not saying they can't compete past then but their realistic window with the all the money they have invested in their pitching staff you know with trey coming up which we'll get to, Soto going to hit arbitration around then, you know, so on and so forth. The realistic window might be three years. So extending Rizzo for three years will be like, hey, let's just see what you do in these next three years, and then maybe we can adequately evaluate what you're worth and what we want to pay you past that point. Because at that point, I think you and I may agree, since it doesn't seem like they're going to retool or even rebuild right now, that once you get to 2024, you're looking at what equates to almost a full rebuild. Yeah, and I think I think the learners like dealing with shorter contracts when it comes to coaches or front office. Um, his last contract that he got was three years, and this was the third year where it was up. That's when they gave him the three-year contract, and Davey got the contract, kind of tying them together. And then mm-hmm. he again gets a three years. I feel like the learners just like reevaluating things then. Um, and they don't want to put themselves in a situation where they're tied out for too long, even though the guy's been here for what, 13, 14 years, you know who he is. Right. Um, but no, I agree. This team's going to be very different 2024 when his contract is up. Obviously we don't even know what things are going to be like then. Mm-hmm. So this could either just be them knowing the landscape or them just doing their typical short contracts only for people. Yeah. I mean, either way, like, your guess is as good as mine and as good as anyone's at this point. But point being, we're glad he's extended. You make a great point. I wish they had done it sooner, not because, like, I was worried, like, overly worried that he was going to go, but just the fact that he wasn't allowed to operate really at all, you know, just because of his circumstance, not because the learners obviously told him, hey, you're not allowed to make any any trades, any moves until, you know, we get your contract sorted out. But it's all in the past now, nothing we can do. So hopefully he gets stuff done this offseason. He has even less to, you know, work with because all those, um, I can't even call them attractive one-year deals, but all those one-year deals that you would have traded at the deadline will obviously be expired. So it's going to be an uphill battle for him again, but hopefully, you know, with the healthy Strauss and, a full season uh, to prepare, full spring training, and we get back to, to you know, competing. Um, all right, so Rizzo extended. Obviously, we've talked about over the past year or so that Davey and Rizzo are combined, are connected as far as their deals go. Obviously, both of them, uh, both of their deals ex- expired. Excuse me. At the end of this year, Rizzo extended. Do you think Davey will be next? So based off Rizzo's comments, when they announced his contract extension, you have to believe that 
Davey is going to be here at least next season and possibly beyond. Um, Davey has a one-year option next year for $1.25 million. Davey said, I'm sorry, Rizzo said, basically said that they're going to pick that up and then talk about beyond. Um, I feel like they kind of realize, you know, you can't keep shuffling through managers. It's a terrible look. Also, Davey is well-liked in the clubhouse. Again, Davey has his flaws, but when you're looking at, like, the fact that you went from Matt Williams, who's a complete dumpster fire, um, mm-hmm. Dusty, who's a dumpster fire in the playoffs, well-liked, great hire at the time, dumpster fire in the playoffs, and now you have a guy that's well-liked and also just won you the freaking World Series. Um, no one no one in this league can manage a bullpen. I don't know why. He will be here next year. I do feel like they're going to give him a nice three-year contract, and for once – we're going to have a freaking manager It's here longer than two years, which makes me more excited than anything else. Like, I don't even care who it is. I just want a manager that stays around. Like, I'm tired of all the shuffling, having new coaching staffs come in. I just want freaking tenure. That's all yeah. I want. Yeah, the Nationals caros- coaching carousel the past, you know, five, seven years has just been exhausting because it does seem like every two or three years, it, not even that it seems like it actually was every two or three years the Nats were looking for a new coach. Not that they're easy to come by, but it seems like even teams like, you know, the Pirates had Clint Hurdle forever, you know, and uh, the Rockies have been on Bud Black. I guess the Rockies had a couple good years, but you get what I'm saying. Where like even the teams that perennially don't do well are able to keep a manager, and whereas the Nats were shuffling through, shuffling through. So it is nice to have some sort of stability at a crucial position within the clubhouse. Uh, and you make a good point that. You know, they had Matt Williams, who it seemed like he tried to be that very militant, excuse me, no-nonsense type manager, almost like terrible comparison, but like a Bill Belichick. Like, if you sign up for the Patriots, you know what you're signing up for. Like, it's a no-nonsense, by-the-book, like, his way or the highway type deal, and that's what Matt Williams tried to do. And all the players were like, screw you, you've never managed before. And he just never had control of the clubhouse. And then you go from that extreme to the other extreme in Dusty, where he's just, like, so laid back and likable guy, but he couldn't, you know, turn it on in the playoffs, like you said. And then you get Davey, who's a lot like Dusty, but as we saw in the playoffs, when it counted, he was able to turn it on. He, you know, didn't get emotional with his decisions. He made good decisions, good lineup choices, good bullpen moves. And he had a lot to work with, granted. Like, it was a very talented team in 2019. But we saw the ability to be a good coach, which was something we have been missing. Like, we hadn't even seen from most any of our other managers. So, I I agree. Like, it makes sense to pick up his option next year and just see how it goes. And then, obviously, it allows you another year of negotiations to to extend off of that. But I would imagine that Davey and Rizzo are going to be tied together again. So... If they pick up his option for next year, they'll probably give him a two-year extension, and then they'll both both their contracts are expire at 2024, and then we'll do this all over again because I know the Nats love just making stuff tough on us. All right, speaking of extensions, there's a theme here. The Nats have had discussions with Trey Turner. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Do you know what year of arbitration he's in? So I'm pulling that up. 
right now. Um, I think he has two more seasons. Give me one second. So the page free agent line. in twenty twenty three. Yeah, he hits. Right. He hits free agency in twenty twenty three. Um, the Nationals said that they had talks with him in spring training about a contract extension, and they are going to pick that up again in the off season. Um, for him, he's not like he's not going to get too much. Uh, Trevor Story set the f- shortstop market at 15 million. So the question is going to be: Is you mean Nats, per year, right? Yeah. So the question is: Do the Nats give him more than that to reset the market, or do they go off that and they give him some more in the 13 to 15 million year range? Um, I can honestly see the guy gain like six years, 90 million, or seven years, 105 million. Then again, the Nats could just be like, "Hey, he's our guy. Let's reset the market and just throw this money at him." Um, he does have two years, but it is a very good sign with two years left that they're having these conversations now because, as we know, the Nationals do not have the best track record of signing any other grown position players. So them starting this early is a fantastic sign. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, th- there's it just depends on your mindset. And with Rizzo, we've seen the, you know, extension – prior to free agency, we saw it with Strauss prior to him, him opting out, obviously. Um, and then we've seen the spending in free agency, you know, with Scherzer, Corbin, etc. Um, so it is a very good sign for someone like Trey, who you can't afford to lose at this point. Like, if we're being absolutely real, like, yeah, you couldn't afford to lose Bryce. Well, that I guess that's up for debate. You couldn't really afford to lose Rendon. But now that you've lost both, you really, really cannot lose to Ford Trey if you want to consider yourself a, a contender, which obviously Rizzo's mindset is they're always going to be a contender. We saw it this, this uh, past trade deadline. So it is a very good sign. I don't think he beats Story just because he, he's on a hot streak right now. But even if, like, well, I guess if he continued this, it would be an argument. But at what point do you say Trey Turner's a better shortstop than Trevor Story? I feel like you would have to see this for at least a, a full season. I mean, this is – Trey has been great, exceptional this season, but what's it been, you know, two weeks, three weeks? He he has to keep this up. We know he has it in him, but it, it's a debate as to whether or not he's a top-ten shortstop in the league, and that's not on him. That just – there's a lot of talent at the shortstop market or at the shortstop position. So it's like, is Trey Turner really going to be the one to reset the market or the Nets – you know, gonna underbid again. It it remains to be seen. I agree. Yep. So we'll see. But I regardless, I, I completely agree with you. You know, good signs. Um, but obviously, shortened season. The Nats are fifteen and twenty-five. They're not going to make the playoffs, even though the playoffs are extended. So th- that says something. So at this point, you know, 40 games into the season, 20 games left, do you embrace the tank or, you know, you try to build some momentum with your young guys leading into 2021? I was going to make a tank noise, but I really know that a boom, boom, or you start singing uh, Katy Perry's Firework like they did in the interview on the tank. I'm all in on embrace the tank. Like if you're looking at it, they're five games out from the eight seed. Um, that's five games with seven teams ahead of you, and there's 20 games left. You basically have to play about 
realistically 15 and five or better to get yourself there. I don't think this team has 15 and five in them. They currently have the number six pick, which breaks my heart. They're only two games back from the number one pick, which if you guys aren't paying attention, the race for the number one pick is fantastic. Um, this draft is so good. Like I just want a good draft pick, get a good young player and still be good next year. It makes me so happy. The only way I would never watch baseball again is if this rumor that has not come from Major League Baseball, I cannot figure out where it came from, is that Major League Baseball has not announced how they're doing the draft order for next season, and there's a rumor that they're going to combine the win percentages of 2019 and 2020. If they do that, it really doesn't matter. Just do do whatever you want. Just try to win games. Try to make the playoffs, whatever, because that's going to completely screw the Nats, and that's will have like the 18th to 21st pick and like the Red Sox who were tied for the second worst record in baseball, they would get the 15th pick. So like that screws everyone. I don't think major league baseball does that, but I'm all in on the tank. Bring me Brady house. I'm over when I'm over. Oh, wow. So that I was wondering who your new, uh, who yes. your draft target was. So that's yes. It is? breaking news. Um, <clears throat> You know, Kumar is he's gonna be he's gonna be a freaking stud. There's a reason he's the most hyped prospect since Strauss. And Strauss was the best pitching prospect to ever enter the draft. This kid's unfreaking believable. But this team needs bats and they need good position players. And so I want that this guy, oh this guy's great. He's eighteen. Here he has a sixty grade power. He's a plus plus defender. Um he hits freaking tanks. He's, what position uh, is he? He plays third base. Okay. Um, oh, Perfect. I'm in. <laughs> so he can play third. He can play first. Also, if he struggles there, the dude's also a power pitcher. He's hitting 97. So he's the best of both worlds. What the hell? Give me him. He's only I'm 18. in for it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> Tell you, man, uh, this draft is stacked in the top 10. You would think if you're Major League Baseball, so – I hate using this, but to play devil's advocate, if I'm Major League Baseball, I'm not announcing this because I don't want teams to actively tank. But also, that's, why, that's why they haven't. Right. But also, we know Major League Baseball does not think that far in advance. They, 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 the reason they have not announced it is because, like, they're just incompetent. The people running the show are incompetent, and, that, you know, that's a whole separate issue. But for our sakes, as Nats fans, as, you know, Nats podcast hosts, it really sucks that we don't know because we can't accurately reflect how we should feel about the season. Like, yes, we want them to tank if it means a top five pick, even, you know, top three, top one. Um, but if, you know, they're just going to combine this year's record with last year's, well, there's no way we're going to get even a top 10 pick. So it's like, you might as well go for it all. And if we had bought at the, the deadline, it would be a little bit more understandable, especially for, for pieces that were controllable past this year. But now, because, you know, we're kind of in limbo due to Major League Baseball not making a decision one way or another, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to love our Nats one day and hate them the next. So I guess it's just business as usual for you and me. Hey, it's all about the content for the pod, so. Yep, this is true. This is true. Speaking of content and a third baseman for the Nats, Kibum, he's back. Um, what are your thoughts? And specifically, you know, how much good did the demotion 
do for him? So the timing of calling him up was so stupid. Dumb. <laughs> if the Nats, the Nats called him up on Saturday. If they called him up on Sunday, they will save the year of service time. And I know like the Nats have never really done the service time thing, but they also haven't been in a position where they could because they've been so weak with depth. When they've had injuries, they've had to call people up um, and just start that clock right away. I would have waited. You announced that literally at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Announced it at 12.01 on Sunday. Just wait six hours. But I'm glad he's back. Um, I think him being back also kind of shows what the front office is thinking of the season. I feel like the fact that he was not getting consistent play early was because they thought they still had a chance to make a run for the playoffs. And they thought playing a Sherbo Cabrera third base every day, a proven guy over a prospect who's learning as he goes when he's not ready gave them a better shot to make the playoffs which it so, did for a little bit but then yeah that, that quickly ceased to exist yeah so now he's back um Davies said he's going to play every single day which is good he cannot sit he has to play every single day you have to figure out what you have there and this is basically a 22 game tryout for Carter Keboom to show the team if hey this is my job next year, I'm ready, or letting the team know that that's another position they have to go address in free agency. So this is a pretty big 20 games, not just for him. Um, well, I mean, there's less for him. Like, if he's not ready, he just goes down to the minors again, which is fine. But, like, it's a pretty big thing for the franchise because yeah. it'll help a lot if he's ready. Absolutely. And if, you know, he shows in these 22 games, or not even that he shows, but if the Nats are not sold, if Rizzo is not sold, it just makes them all the more expendable because one, like you said, they have to go address it in free agency. But two, if you address it in free agency, I mean, ideally it's not just a one year thing because you don't have, uh, if you're not sold on Keyboom, he's not, I don't know how much good another year is going to do that. He's not showing you anything now. Like, does that make sense? So, you know, if they sign someone for two, three, four years, or even longer, I don't know who would be available that you would give more than four years, it makes Keyboom so much more expendable. And, you know, that's been the hes hesitation for Nats fans on these hypothetical trades, and I'm sure Rizzo in the front office, is that the farm system has nothing in it. It's Keyboom, Garcia, and then a few kind of good pitching prospects, but nothing proven. Uh, that's why we're ranked almost dead last. I think we are dead last now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, dead last. Yeah, so it's like, what do you trade with? Like, you shouldn't be trading prospects to acquire big league talent. Unless, you know, you view yourself as a legitimate contender, which argument says, like, they are. They won the World Series last year. Yes, they don't have Rendon, but if you get a healthy Strauss back, and those pitching, uh, the big three um, starters can, can compete any year, any time with anyone. So if you want to go all in, go all in. But at the same time, you, you have to make a decision one way or another. So I think it's really a, almost a win-win for, for the Nats. Either Keeboom pans, pans out and it's one position, one less position you have to address, or you're not sold on him. You can address it firmly and then trade him for something more helpful to you. Like if you look at the trade deadline last year, the Padres and um, Indians made a trade, and it kind of flew under the radar, but the Indians traded uh, Taylor Trammell. I think that's his name. Taylor Trammell to the Padres. Padres traded Logan Allen and some other 
prospect, but they were all three of the prospects were top 100 prospects. The, the Padres essentially traded two lower 100, top 100 prospects for a higher top 100 prospect. And then the Padres, this trade deadline, traded that prospect in the deal for Austin Nola, who, you know, promising young catcher. So, like, there's deals like that that could be done with Keebum where, you know, trade prospect for prospect and kind of address other areas. It doesn't even have to be for big league ready talent and whatnot. But as much or as close as a, of a win-win you can get, I think this is it. But also, I just hope he succeeds because, you know, it, it's, one, a lot more fun to root for a homegrown guy. And, two, it's, like, you, you just want him to succeed at this point because of all the struggles up and down and whatnot. Um, speaking of homegrown guys, I don't know if you can really call them that, but they came up through our system. Um, Eric Fetty, Austin both. What once was a good story is now just turning into something hard to watch. What do you do with them? Yeah, so like earlier, early in the season, Eric Fetty and both were the team's best pitchers. Um, we were talking about how like, like wow, the Nats actually have pitching development with them. Like they're looking good. Did they finally turn the corner? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> both of them have struggled mightily this season. Um, both of them are struggling to get past the fourth inning, which is a huge concern. Um, like if, if you're a starting pitcher and you can't get past the fourth inning, you don't, you don't have a purpose. Um, pitchers not named Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin this year are averaging 4.1 innings. That's Eric Fetty, Austin Voth, uh, McGowan, and Sanchez. Sanchez yeah. yeah, that's like, that's pretty alarming. Um, Eric Fetty is struggling a lot with his command. His slider has been flat a lot, um, and that thing just sits middle-middle, and it's getting tanked. So that, I feel like, can be worked on. Um, I do have faith in Fetty. Um, I feel like Fetty has shown those flashes where, hey, I can be a back-end of the bullpen guy. He's not projecting as someone who could be a future ace. He's just showing that he could be a reliable four or five but right now he's struggling mightily and they need to figure out how to get that slider back because as we saw in the beginning of the year when his slider was on, like he pitched like five good innings against Yankees. He gave up one mm -hmm. earned run, but then you get to Voth. Um, he's 28 years old. Um, Fetty's out. Five. Yeah, Fetty's out of options, so Fetty is going to be on the team next year. They're not going to give up a 27-year-old pitcher. Um, just because he's kind of been like hit or miss. He's going to be on the team in some capacity. Both, on the other hand, I feel like he has to be a reliever. Um, if you're looking at his last three starts, he went four and two-thirds, gave up five runs. He went two innings, gave up five runs. He gave up three and two-thirds and gave up six runs. That was against the Marlins, the Red Sox, and the Braves. The Braves, that's okay. The Braves are a good lineup. The Red Sox and Marlins both suck. You cannot be struggling like that against them. And if you want to go back even farther, four, four innings, five runs. Four innings, three runs. Five innings, no runs. The Orioles, good job. Five innings, three runs. So those are all his starts this year. He hasn't gone past five innings. He gets into the fourth inning, and he just collapsed. Like, I don't know if this is right. a fatigue problem with him or second time around the lineup, they're starting to pick up on something that he's doing. But either way, he is not – pitching like a major league pitcher and not someone you want in your rotation going forward. I think he's a bullpen arm. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, because it sounded like you had the stats right in front of you. And it seems like all of his starts are four and two-thirds max. He, he, I've never seen him get to the sixth inning is what I'm trying to get at. Like it, and you put it perfectly. I don't know if it, it's a fatigue issue or they're just limiting his, his pitch count or, you know, it, it could be a, n- a number of things that we, we aren't privy to. But point being, he's not really doing the job you need out of a, a fourth or fifth starter. Fourth or fifth starter, you'll take what you get, but ideally you have someone who eats innings. Like you're not looking for like a sub three. Obviously, if you get a sub three, you would take it. But ideally or – uh, in a perfect world, you get someone who eats innings. If they have a high three ZRA, you take it. But Fetty isn't really doing either. He's not pitching effectively, and he's not even pitching for a, a, a long amount of time. So if he did profile as anything, I think a reliever would make sense. Um, as far as both goes, so you, you just think he, he's done for, like this is it for him? Yeah, like I saw him like – I had people comparing him to Giolito because, like, the Nats gave up on Giolito and look how Giolito turned out. Hey, yeah, it's a completely different scenario. Giolito is 22 years old, struggling in leagues, and, like, only got good because the Indians let him through. Austin Both is 28, about to be 29 years old, and he doesn't have it. Um, obviously, things can change. There's late bloomers in this sport all the time, but he's not young. And he's getting through that second turn in the lineup, and they're teeing off on him. Like, he, he looks great the first two innings. That says, all right, that's fine. Go be a reliever, big guy. Just go settle in on going all in for two innings and just work on that only. Yeah, he can be that long reliever, which I feel like is, I mean, how many long relievers can you think about in the league anymore? It, it seems like everyone wants one, but I don't know how, like, useful they are. So Fetty really needs to kind of reinvent himself um, to – really provide any sort of service to this this team like the the bullpen while not spectacular they have a lot of guys or at least a lot of commitments you know you have Harrison uh, Hudson signed up you're not moving Rainey so there there's three right there I would expect Suero to be back so that's four and then so you're, you're fighting for what two maybe three spots yeah, and like one of them is going to be a lefty free agent. You right, also have exactly. Finnegan yeah. and guys like that. Right. So, and yeah, they're going to bring guys in, um, even if it's just like a minor league deal to see what they do. So it's like Fetty needs to get his, his butt in gear to, to, if he wants to stay on this team. Because clearly the Fetty experiment as a starter, as far as I'm concerned, is over. I was never high on him to begin with. And I get you needed more of a sample size, but – this season has provided that, and it's not a great sample. So with both, yeah, I think it's just – it was nice. We, we've seen this before where, like, a, a guy has, like, a couple nice starts. You expect big things from him, and he just never pans out. It happens all the time. It's just the business of baseball. But also, you're getting Joe Ross back next year too, presumably, you know, COVID and all that stuff. Joe Ross was slated to be that five-starter this year. So the fact that Fetty and both haven't done anything in my mind to take control of a starting job or like in that rotation just means it's going to be Joe Ross again next year. So for Fetty, because we're not really counting both in this equation, for Fetty, I mean, a guy who's not even here is already ranked above you. So again, 
just goes to show how much he needs to uh, switch things up. But we'll talk about that and more in this next segment. We're going to do biggest surprise surprises. I almost said surprisements. Surprises and disappointments of the season. Um, we're going to do some Nats-related ones, some, you know, baseball-related ones. It could be a player. It could be a team. could be one aspect of a team, like a bullpen, a lineup, you know, uh, decision-making, whatever it may be. It's completely left up to interpretation. So, Ryan, you want to start us off? It doesn't matter whether it's your Nats one or your MLB one. Let's, let's just get the ball rolling and see where it goes. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my biggest surprise in Major League Baseball this season. Um, and I'm honestly going with the Baltimore Orioles, the other team in Madison. Um, they were the, them and the Marlins were the teams that people were like looking at their schedules. They'll be lucky to win 10 games. The Orioles are only two games back at the Yankees. They're also like, I think, a game and a half out of the eighth playoff spot. Their team, no one expected anything to do. And they're honestly pretty fun to watch. They're playing very well, which is surprising. They're 19-21. and 21. Um, They're better than the Nats right now. Uh, again, they're only two games back of the Yankees, and they're right on the crust, the, the crust of that eighth playoff spot. And the fact that they're hanging around with the third hardest schedule in baseball history, I got to give them props. Absolutely. And, like, you think – it may be a fluke, but I mean, they all, the run differential is minus eight. Like when I look to see the legitimacy of a team, I tend to look at run differential just like at a glance, if I need to add a glance stat. And for the Orioles, they're 19 and 21 as it stands today. And the run differential is minus eight, which you would expect to be way more in, in the negatives considering who they have or who they don't have in their pitching staff and their lineup. So the fact that they're hanging around, huge surprise, um, and the fact that they're better than the Red Sox. I, I don't know who saw that coming. Uh, I'll follow suit and do my biggest surprise for the um, for baseball, and that is the Padres. But specifically, I will say, you know, Fernando Tatis is one of them, but I will say the front office because we've seen, you know, the Braves, what, two years ago? Um, they kind of arrived prior, like, before everyone thought they would with, you know, Acuna coming up and all this stuff. Um, and, you know, they lost to the Dodgers in four and then all the yes. And everyone's like, oh, it's a year too early or whatever. And we've seen with the White Sox, um, maybe a little year too early with the Padres, maybe two years too early. Well, then they get off to a hot start, shortened season. Front office says, you know what? F it. We're going all in as far as all in can take us. You know, they made a bunch of trades. They, I think they made more trades at the deadline than all the other teams combined. Or it certainly seemed that way. Obviously, Mike Clevenger being the big one. But front office of the Padres completely surprised me because obviously in the NL West, and you're only playing the West teams, so you get the powerhouses like the A's, the Dodgers, the Astros, and, and some scrappy teams like the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, so on and so forth. But you know, the Padres said, doesn't matter to us. We're going all in, and, and I love it. I am here for it. Obviously, everyone knows that the Padres this year have been the most fun team to watch. Fernando Tatis is the most exciting player in baseball. So I'm so proud of the front office for not letting, you know, mistakes or bad decisions of past front office years um, come back to influence their decisions this year. They said, you know what, screw it. Short-term memory, we're going all in. 
I love it. It seems to be paying off well because even though the trade deadline was only a week ago, again, back to run, run, run differential, they're plus 53, which is only second to the Dodgers, and they have the second best record in the NL. Again, only second to the Dodgers. They are a legitimate contender, and I am here for it. I love the Padres. I am all in. Um, well, Padres were my World Series pick last year, and <laughs> everyone knows that at the beginning of time, the one wasn't carried, so that actually meant for this season. So, Padres year. Padres year, baby. All right, why don't you do either your surprise for the Nats or your disappointment for the MLB? Either one. You're um, completely your call. So I'm going to finish with Major League Baseball. Okay. My biggest disappointment this year is the Angels. Um, the Angels have yeah. two players in the top six of war in all of baseball. They have two pitchers in the top seven of war of all of baseball. They're 17-25. Their inability to put any type of team around Mike Trout is – ridiculous they got Rendon which is great Rendon and Trout is a remarkable tandem and it's going to be for both of their remaining of their careers they have 11 blown saves and they lost all 11 of those games like they didn't know tie it I mean sorry it was like 5-4 blow it 5-5 and they come back and win in bomb ninth inning they've lost all 11 of those games and they're 17-25 even if they win like eight or nine even like six seven of those they're a playoff team um, the fact yeah. that like they can't figure out how to sign any good people baffles me. And like if they had a de- decent bullpen, we finally would be able to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. But no, we have to wait again because he's only played three playoff games in his career, which is such a shame. Um, so for that, they're the biggest disappointment. You know what the the craziest stat is, or the craziest fact is? What's so that? Mike Mike Trout's played three playoff games in his career. Do you know who those three playoff games were against? Um, I want to say the Red Sox. No, the Orioles. Ah, uh, that's right. <laughs> that's how long it's been since Mike Trout has made the playoffs. Speaking <laughs> of Mike Trout, I forgot he did this. He hit his uh, 300th career home run. He did. And he was I've, the seventh outfielder to do it and the youngest to do it. So I, was nice say, to I don't know what kind of pace that's on, but I love this. And granted, he just had a kid, so he has that dad strength, unprotected sex thing going for him. Um, but I love this power. You can't even call it the surge because it's been sustained. Like he almost led the league in home runs last year too. So this power output we've been seeing uh, in the past couple years, couple seasons for Mike Trout, because that was the biggest thing. Whereas like everyone's like, oh, he's a great player. He doesn't hit all the home runs as everyone else does, but he's great. But now he's like, you know what? I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm Mike Trout. And the fact that the Angels can't put a competent team around him just stinks because you got so Shohei Itani, you got Anthony Rendon, and you're like, all right, something. I mean, I guess Albert Pujols was the first one. You're like, all right, something's going. And it's like nothing ever comes to fruition. Like Dylan Bundy is their ace right now. And granted, no disrespect to Dylan Bundy. He's having a great year. But, like, that's not the guy you want in your starting rotation to be the guy. You know, so completely agree with you. I thought this year was going to be a little bit better maybe 500, maybe squeaking the playoffs, completely wrong. Um, my um, disappointment for the MLB, and I, I always fall for this, man. I always get sucked in. I believe in the hype. I'm always let down. This happened to me with the Browns last year. Uh, again, football reference, and it's happening to me with another Ohio team this year, the Cincinnati Reds. 
I believe the hype man. They they made all these like under the radar pretty solid moves, and you know you're thinking it's a pretty that division's pretty much up for grabs year after year. Why not the Reds, right? They signed Nick Castellanos. They um, uh, traded for Trevor Bauer at the deadline last year. They signed Mike Moustakis. They're making all these like under the radar moves, and with Moustakis. Um, this past offseason, you know, everyone's like, where's Rendon going to go? That's going to determine where Donaldson goes, and then that's going to determine where Moose goes. And the Reds are like, no, 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 no. We're signing Moose right off the bat. We are getting our guy. You know, you guys can fight over the quote-unquote top guys. We're going to get our guys that we want to make the team we want to have. And I, I was here for it. I was down for it, and I was completely on board. And it's just an absolute shame, you know. I, I get that COVID played a part into it. You know, they lost Moose for a couple of weeks after he got off to a hot start and a couple other guys. The bullpen has been atrocious. They traded for Archie Bradley at the deadline. I haven't fallen, quite frankly, as to, like, how much that's improved. I hope they can squeak in so they get something to show for their efforts. Um, I hope Castellanos, I believe he has an opt-out after, after this year, so I hope he opts in or they at least, you know, re-up him. Um, but they're definitely my biggest disappointment just because of how high the hype was. I completely bought into it, and, I, and I'm feeling a little let down right now. They can completely make up for it. They have time. They're, they have the ability. But right now, as of today, I'm feeling a little let down by my Cincinnati Reds, and I don't love the feeling. I actually kind of forgot about them. That was a, <laughs> that was a good pick. Appreciate it. I was it. like, oh, yeah, they suck this year. <laughs> All right, what's your uh, – you want to – let's do disappointment for the Nats so we can end on a high note. What's your biggest disappointment for the Nats? There's, like, 30 different routes I could go for this one. Uh, this has just been such a terrible season. Like, they haven't been good at all. Nope. Um, and, like, I could just be like, oh, Admin, because Admin is statistically the worst right fielder in baseball. But I, I I get on him a little too much, you know. Um, it, it's too easy at this point. It's the low-hanging fruit. It is. It is I, so easy. I could talk about how Robles has taken a big step back defensively this year. Statistics say that. I called it, just saying. He he hasn't really taken a step forward offensively. But I'll, I'll give him some slack. You know, he's a young guy. Um, he was partying a lot when he was back home. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give him a little slack because he's young. So I'm going to go for another low-hanging fruit. I'm going Eric Thames because I cannot stress enough how bad he has been. Um, everyone got fooled by the biceps. They saw the biceps, saw him hit a home run in the wild card game. Like, wow, this guy's good. Um, he literally was signed to, like, hit, hit – he was here to slug. He's hit, um, I think, an extra base hit in six games this season. Um, there's 20 games I'm left. 40. <laughs> yeah, his OPS is 619. Just so you know um, – 700 and below is considered terrible. So his is <laughs> 619. Below um, terrible. Yeah, it's just it's he's just been bad. Um, he's just looked lost. I th- he's he has what two home runs this year, and he was hit the hit dinger. Yeah, one he just got like the other day. Yeah, I, don't know, I he's my biggest disappointment. That's a good one because there was some hype. I mean, I've never seen. I think I said it at the time that they signed Eric Thames. I've never seen the Nats Twitter, the Nats fan base, like, um, 
I don't know the word I'm looking for, but they they really voiced their their desire to have a guy on their team. When Eric Thames got released, I think everyone was like, holy crap, like this would be the perfect platoon partner with Zim. You know, he can hit the righties, Zim can still hit the lefties. Perfect platoon, you know, best of both worlds. Eric Thames also not too, uh, he's pretty easy on the eyes too. So like perfect addition to the clubhouse and to the team. Everyone will, will love him and all this stuff. And then the front office actually went out and did it. And you're like, oh man, what is happening right now? And then it turns out to be, I agree, one of the biggest disappointments of this year in a pretty disappointing year uh, for the Nats. But, you know, you wish you got something else, but it just seems like, you know, he had a stretch where he was really good. He went to, I believe it was the KBO and, and raced for a couple of years and then caught on with the Brewers, had a couple of good years. And now it's kind of just like it's run its course. Uh, I don't imagine he'll be back next year. Um, for me, again, I'm going to pick one that I was very hyped about because obviously the higher the expectations, the bigger the disappointment. And this is a disappointment segment. For me, it is Steven Strasburg. Um, obviously, World Series MVP, you finally got the culmination of what the Nats were doing, what they did in 2012, you know, what they've been doing the past eight years or seven years at that time. With him, uh, you know, the various tricks to the, uh, um, the IL, you know, the, the injuries, the ailments, everything in between, you know, signing Max Scherzer, it's so... Strasburg wouldn't have to be the guy and everything. I wanted this season to be Strauss's true, he, he, I can't even say coming out party because World Series MVP, <laughs> that's, you're pretty much come out at that point. But, you know, I wanted this to be his, you know, 60-game sprint where he just sets the world on fire, finally gets the Cy Young consideration he deserves and not in somebody's shadow. I wanted everything and more for him to just, you know, silence all the doubters because I don't understand how you can win a World Series MVP and you still have doubters, but there are still Strasburg doubters out there. And especially, you know, re-operating him for seven years, which I think you agree, especially is going to be a bad contract. I, I, I love Strauss to death, but it just has bad contract written all over it. So I wanted this year in a shortened season to be, you know, at least one good moment we get out of this where it's like, you know, th this is going to be all right. Like, this will be fine for for now, and then we'll deal with whatever it turns into when that time comes. And obviously, you know, hand injury, nerve injury, carpal tunnel, as we come to find out. It is what it is. It happens. You had surgery. It sounds like everything's good. Hopefully it comes back next year and we get that season. But for me, I was really looking forward to that, and I got robbed. So we'll, we'll see what 2021 has in store. But let's finish on a higher note. Let's do our biggest surprise for the Nets. Um, the couple of low-hanging fruit, so we'll see what you go, Ryan. Start us off. So biggest surprise. Um, I have to think about this one. I mean, so, I, have, I have mine, but it's very low-hanging fruit, too. Um. I'll go with Luis Garcia. Damn, yeah, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think that's it's, it's right there. I like I like Daniel to be basically <clears throat> going, but I also feel like he's the only one you can go. Wasn't expecting to come up this year. Um, the man still got braces. 
is still rocking it. Um, <laughs> he's doing really well. He's just looking like a good, pure hitter. Um, I mean, like his OPS is low, but that's fine. He's 18 years, sorry, he's 20 years old. He's just hitting. He's playing every day, which is good. He's getting good experience, and I'm liking what he's seeing, and maybe he will be the starting second baseman next year. Yeah, that, that's certainly the hope. Um, like we talked about with Kibum earlier, you hope you see enough from Garcia in this, what you've gotten from him and what you continue to get from him for the rest of the, excuse me, had the hiccups, uh, what you will continue to get from him for the rest of the season to feel comfortable enough to go into 2020 on with him as your starting second baseman, or at least as your primary second baseman. If you want to have someone to kind of ease the load, like not saying this is the ideal guy, but someone like a Josh Harrison or Brock Holt to like play 33% of the games, that's fine. Just, you know, either as for Luis Garcia as your starting second baseman or your primary second baseman, you would hope he showed you that. So it's one less thing to address and you can bring someone in like, like I just said, Josh Harrison, Josh Harrison or Brock Holt that can play second base, can also play other positions and provide you a little flexibility off the bench. Um, but yeah, that's really the biggest one. And quite honestly, one of the only ones, like I want to say Soto, um, just because he doesn't have the protection with Rendon and he was by himself in the lineup of kind of just like nothing for a while. And he was still able to mash and now he's out again with an injury. So it's just like, um, Trey also another one kind of a surprise because we all talked about when is he going to break out? When is he going to break out? And we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, like, is this the person Trey Turner just is? And I think he listened to that episode and he's like, I'll show you what I can do. Well, really what he did was he had unprotected sex and then he turned it on. So congrats, Trey. Um, so that's another big surprise, but I think the really the only big surprise is Luis Garcia. And it's a pleasant one too, because I didn't think he was going to be to this level, at least this soon. So congrats to Luis Garcia, rocking the braces and everything. Um, I messed up this week. I did not tweet out Twitter questions. You know, Amanda being gone this week, everything's just gone to hell. So you know, you can blame me, but really it's Amanda's fault for leaving us. But we are bringing back a fan favorite what? segment, the worst tweet of the week, because, Let's you know, go. when something is given to you, when life gives you lemons, you just make lemonade. And when a terrible tweet is given to you, the worst tweet of the week returns. So this is from at DC David W. Who in in um, in terms or in regards to talking about the Nats and their quote-unquote tank, uh, <laughs> embrace the tank. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing. I can't even get through this. They don't need a high draft pick. They already have youth at center field, left field, shortstop, third base, and second base. That's half their lineup. Rest of the starters can be pickups. They have talented young pitchers, solid young relief pitchers. They can make do with the draft pick they get and still have a go this year. So, this, David, <laughs> um, have you seen Shit's Creek? I've yeah, I've seen parts of it. <laughs> you know how she says David's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what happened to me when I read this tweet. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was, I was bamboozled. I was literally bamboozled when I read this tweet. <laughs> I have never seen anyone in the history of sport ever go. Eh, 
we don't need more young talent. We have four. Like, it just, they completely... No, 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 no. Let me be clear. DC David W is saying five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, like, it's part of the thing with, like, all the people who since they went 1931 think that they can turn the season around. If you get a good draft pick for next year's draft, you're not going to be bad for the next five years. You can literally get a good draft pick and still be competitive, which I want them to do. And it's just like, this draft is loaded. Why would you ever say, meh, I'm okay. I don't need a top five uh, prospect in my system as soon as he's drafted. We have a couple. And like, that whole thing, excuse me, Finn, um, that whole thing just, it baffled me. I, I literally looked at my phone, I think, for 15, 20 minutes trying to come up with a reply to the first person in the history of sports who said they don't, ha- they don't need a high draft pick. They already have enough youth. And it's just, I, uh, ugh, that was messy. That, that, that was messy. <laughs> it, it really is. It's like, I mean, I, I, at one Coming point. strong. Uh, yeah, at one point you, like, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't understand how you can say, like, oh, we already have enough. Like, too much of young talent is not a bad thing. It's well, never a bad thing. Here's, here's, the, here's the other funny thing. They have the worst farm system in baseball. Um, and they're also the oldest team in baseball. And there's a lot of people who are like, well, like, look at who they have up. If they were down, the farm system would be better. Everyone who's up right now, except for, you know, the young people that are Juan Soto and Victor Robles, they're all prospects, and the farm still sucks. Like, at every franchise in every single sport thrives off of young talent. That's how you get better. It's how you develop players. It's how you bring in superstars and trades. You need young talent. It, it doesn't even matter what sport you're talking about. You need young talent. I, I don't know if David realizes that every team has – top has top five prospects like every team in their own organization has prospects ranked one through five within their organization but it doesn't mean they're you know comparatively to everyone else they are good prospects we are ranked 30th for a reason having a instant stud as far as like farm system you know even potential trade uh you're drafting a top 100 prospect Right. Like, that is not a bad thing. Look they at the have Dodgers. none right now. Look at the Dodgers. Dodgers have the best team on the field, and they also have one of the best farm systems. It's not like they don't care about one or the other. It's just, oh, man, like you said, coming back strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, worst two of the week's been gone for a while. Um, I've missed it. I know there's some controversy over it. Someone blocked me and, like, five other people. Uh, when they found out they were the worst tweet of the week. This oh, has yeah, been, I remember that. This has been controversial, but David, I'm sorry. Like, I know what you're trying to say. Like, I know you want them to go for it this year and try to make the playoffs because you kind of, like, clarified your point a little bit in the next couple tweets you sent me. But, like, your first sentence right there just straight up bamboozled me. David, if you're listening to this, every team needs a high draft pick. Like, it's yeah. it's it's not basketball where you have like LeBron James just carry you to the finals every single year. You need a high draft pick. I mean, even the NBA, you still need young talent. But like, obviously, if you have like the superstar like that, but like, you need young talent, man. You need good young talent. And also with baseball, it's not like a first round draft pick for football or basketball. They're going to play right away, and they're going to be effective at some level right away. 
with baseball, if you need young talent, chances are it's probably too late. Like, if you are that desperate to have someone called up, chances are you've already missed the boat. So you need to plan in advance. Like, we just talked about with Rizzo earlier, like that proposed three-year window remaining for, for this team um, without a, a major reshuffle of players. Like, you're going to need people that are – their anticipated call-up date or in the – date at the time they're anticipated to be ready for the major league baseball is three to four years away and you insert a top draft pick this year he fits that mold <laughs> like he, that's someone you want to and can rely on so maybe he's just misguided i'll give him the benefit of the doubt it's the first worst tweet of the week uh in a while so um yeah we'll give so, him the benefit of the doubt for now for now We'll see if if David if David replies. So I don't know if you guys can hear this, but um, Finn's currently chewing on my mic and purring. So I don't know how that's going to sound. But this is a warning for everyone. Worst tweet of the week is back. You're gonna, <laughs> you're, you're gonna you've all been put on notice. <laughs> we realize what records uh, what record the Nats are right now. We know what happens if they go four and six in their next ten. Don't think we aren't watching Twitter for the next worst tweet. <laughs> Um, we're like the birds. We're always watching you. We want more <laughs> worse tweets. They're fun to do. It's funny. Um, and David, for that, we thank you. We thank, thank you. you. All right, let's move on to our final segment of every show, our one big takeaway. Uh, Ryan, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, so I have two. Um, this one's just funny. The Rangers are 3-17 and 17 since they called out Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> for not – respecting the game moral of the story here is don't call it young talent who just buried you because you look like an idiot and then your team also just suddenly collapses and you botched the trade deadline but not trading the best starter available right um you're three and 17 since then you guys suck um and then secondly baseball needs to start holding umpires accountable um joe west threw out mike rizzo from mike rizzo's suite how, how do we not talk about that I forgot I forgot to put it in the show, Doc. Um, he threw him out from his suite. There are some reports that Joe West, who is anti-mask, threw him out for not wearing a mask, but that report was false. Um, he threw him out because Rizzo was harassing him from his suite. Dude, you're a freaking umpire. Like, everyone hates you. Just get over it. Like, I'm tired of all these umpires who keep making the games about them and showing up people. That's not what you're there for. Like, if you're an umpire and referee, no one should know who you are unless you're Ed Hockley, just has the greatest arms in the world. No one should know who you are. If people know your name, it's because you suck. And everyone knows who Joe West is, and Major League Baseball needs to hold him accountable. Who's the other one? Angel Hernandez doesn't he Angel have a really Hernandez. bad strike zone. Yeah. That's a really good point. If people know your name as an official, you're really bad or you're, like, really good looking. And yeah, like, like, it's one or the other. No, literally, like... All, like, the – like, not the famous, but, like, the NFL rest people know it's the one guy who talks like this, and they got, like, Ed Hockley and, like, stuff like that, or you just you just made, like, some of the worst calls that any sport has ever seen, and now you're notorious. Um, yeah, it's, like, people shouldn't know your name. This game isn't about you. The sport's not about you. 40,000 people are not here to watch you. Get over yourself. No one cares about you. You're getting paid rather well to call balls and strikes for a living while you're out of shape, Joe West. Get over yourself. 
nobody cares. Um, also, Major League Baseball, hold your people accountable. I don't care that they have a whole freaking union. Hold them accountable because they're ruining the game. Like the Korean Baseball League literally sends umpires down if they miss three or more strike zones. Start suspending umpires. Joe West is the first one and Angel Hernandez. Take care of them. Yeah, it's funny how, like, at the beginning of the season, after Joe West's initial comments on, you know, the whole COVID thing, MLB came out and said they're, or maybe it was the umpires association, said they were coming out, or they uh, were distancing themselves from Joe West. But then a situation like this arises with Joe West trying to show everyone up and saying, like, it's his show or whatever, and, you know, no one's really holding him accountable. Like, clearly they're really distancing themselves from him like they're just going to let him do whatever he wants i don't know just kind of a joke to me uh mine uh comes from my inspiration comes from our good friend kai who got into a little spat with one fp santangelo this week um big time hurt on the fields for uh one fp steroids santangelo um and this is a debate we've had a bunch uh, not really a debate, it's just kind of facts at this point, but some people get a little, you know, hurt of it when we bring up how bad Nat's broadcast is. Um, but, and we can continue to talk about that for all the live long day, but that's not where I'm going with this. Mine is, you know, I was watching playoff hockey, right? And obviously the Caps got ousted uh, fairly early, fairly sooner than everyone thought or wished or whatever. But it's so nice that you get your regional announcers, your regional broadcasting for the playoffs. Like, that's pretty awesome, in my opinion. And then you you go to baseball, and, you know, Ernie Johnson, who is awesome, awesome, like, great, uh, great guy, you know, personally and pretty enjoyable on air. He does a playoff baseball game when he hasn't been covering baseball all year. Right. He's been he his primary gig is basketball and he's great at it because he's actively watching it. He's keeping up with the basketball throughout the whole season. So he's ready for the playoffs. And I get, you know, you have playoff games on TBS, uh, Fox, whatever, and, and ESPN and all this stuff. But like adding your regional broadcast team to a playoff um excuse me, a playoff game, like, is just such a, a cool thing to have. And in my mind, you know, we always talk about baseball being such a regionalized game. If you were to, you know, get local broadcasts on a bigger stage, so if you got a terrible example because I don't want them anywhere near, like, a national, nationally televised game, but if you had Bob and FP on a Nats playoff game last year, it would have been a good opportunity for everyone outside of the DMV area, outside of Nats fans, to see what they're all about. And again, I, I don't like Bob and FP, so not the great best example, just the one we're working with right now. Like, I, I just think there's that line of disservice when you're bringing in, uh, you know, these big name announcers like Ernie Johnson or like Joe Buck or whoever who haven't been following the game all year to call the game in the biggest stages. So I don't know what that line is or how you reach like a, a happy compromise, but in my mind, something 
I mean, we know something needs to be done to the broadcasts in general because it's so regionalized, but in my mind, you're, you almost need to follow something like what the NHL is doing or just have those big name announcers cover the game all year long. I actually really like that. Um, I know in their contracts, like with their national contracts that locals, local um, report, like commentators and local broadcast groups are not allowed to show or commentate the national broadcast games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how to get around that, especially since they just signed a new tenure deal with Yeah, it's PBS. probably too little too late, but like... Yeah, and they're general, about to have a new deal with ESPN. I think yeah. last year they just signed their new deal with Fox. Like, we're kind of like this for a while, but that's something a lot of fans have talked about because it's kind of cool, like, getting Joe B. Um, especially, like, if that's, like, a little bit of a bigger game. I mean, obviously, it's a playoffs, it's a bigger game, but, you know, like, a bigger audience because mm-hmm. some of the first-round games for the NHL are only shown in local markets, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, that, that part doesn't make sense, but as, as far as, like, yeah. seeing your team, like, imagine we loved Bob and FP. It would be awesome to get their games, like, in that – imagine them in the wild-card game. Like, how electric that would have been. Like, I get if they don't cover the World Series because – Oh, this is awesome. Right, like, it would have been so – like so cool rather than someone like Ernie Johnson who's just like trying to feed off of the crowd ah, and rely on the crowd. His his call uh Yeah, no. And you and know what nobody I mean. in this joint cares. That was right. great. Well yeah that, that part was good. But you get what I'm saying. No, thinking. I I, if, I know what you mean. If you actually liked like your broadcast team. Like I I feel like I'm trying to fake it right now because I really don't like Bob and F D. No, but, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just wish they would do something to it, but we know baseball's behind the curve in more areas than one. I mean, hell, you can't even watch your your own team right now. Like, for me, I'm not going to pay for cable. Like, I'm just not. So I can't watch the Nats, like, period. No matter what I try to do, I can't watch them. Even if I bought MLB, uh, like, TV or whatever, I can't watch the Nats. makes zero sense, especially since I can't go to the games. But, you know, there's plenty of things wrong with the Nats. I just wish – or not – well, yes, with the Nats, but with uh, MLB – that, you know, I wish they would get something right, and I think the broadcast teams would be a logical place to start. And I go back to the Luis Garcia home run. Like, that was a big deal. It kind of flew under the radar, but, you know, 19 years old, youngest guy in the MLB, hits his first home run. Like, that clip went viral. Like, it did, because everyone's like, wow, this 19-year-old kid just hit his first home run. And the call was absolutely atrocious. They realized it until he was on third. Worst calls <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. But then you see the other, um, like the other viral clips of like a mammoth shot, and the announcers lose their mind. Like, and that just adds to the moment. Like, and I get, I get that there's no fans and that they're not always at the games, or they're not at the games, and there might be a little bit of delay. But for Bob and FP, like. This hasn't been just a one-year thing or a 40-game thing. This has been forever and ever. They've ruined a ton of good moments. Bob has a terrible home run call. And now I'm getting to the point where, like, we're just talking about Bob and FP, where my big takeaway was, you know, I want different, a, a shake-up for playoffs. But, you know, we can talk about that forever. So that's my one big takeaway. I hope baseball does something as far as their entire viewership experience goes um but that does it for us ron you got anything else 
No, um, that's it for me. Let's go enjoy the last three weeks of baseball. Um, yeah. It's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. It's pumpkin spice season. Um, but, yeah, th- that's all I have as well. It's Before we'll know it, we're going to be talking playoffs again. Um, it feels like it just happened, and we're going to have a new World Series champion, unless you ask Amanda, because this World Series doesn't count. <laughs> um, Amanda will be back presumably next week. So if you miss her, uh, I feel sorry for you, but also she will be back. So no need to worry. Um, follow Amanda at a white seven, eight, seven, seven, Ryan at DC Nat Shack, uh, myself at half shack cap Monty and the half street high heat blog at M Davis Taylor. OPT, our digital media coordinator at one pursuit takes the show at half street high heat. Our friends at Chili's at Chili's. Uh, go get yourself a margarita and some delicious food. Uh, we'll be doing more giveaways as uh, this season winds down, um, including some Chili's gift cards. Um, so for Ryan and myself, Amanda Vicariously, we thank you, and we will see you later. Yee-yee! There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. 
Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.